Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Yahoo Sports analyst Kristen Peek, an NBA draft expert who has followed many of the top prospects for years. During our conversation, we previewed next week's draft lottery and broke down the Warriors' different possibilities with Minnesota's top three protected pick. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I've leaned on you a couple times over the past year or so just for your your draft knowledge. I don't think I've ever had you on the podcast before, so um, I'm really excited to have you on here to look at what is going to be a very important day for the Warriors next Tuesday, the NBA draft lottery. I would I would go as far as to say this is the most important draft lottery for the Warriors since, well, I guess last year, but last, last year excluded, uh, probably the most important one since the early 90s when they took Joe Smith number one. Um, and so I wanted to get at what what uh, the different machinations are for for this pick with with the the timber the Timberwolves pick and all the different scenarios. But you you admitted to me right before we jumped on the pod that this is your favorite draft class in at least ten years. Why is that? What what makes this draft class special to you? There are well, first of all, I've known uh, most of these kids since they were were players. I guess eighth eighth and ninth graders, the one and done. So when you look at the top five and you look at Kay Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, and John Kaminga, it's like I've seen these players and the way that their careers have progressed from a very young age. So for me to finally see them at like the height of what they've been building for and what they've been working for um, is incredible. And and speaking to that, when you see someone like Kay Cunningham and, and Jalen Green, who I think have the potential long-term to be franchise players and uh, multiple, multiple times all-stars. Um, it's, you, you don't say that enough, like in, in terms of every draft and then looking, you know, at some of, some of the, the stars coming up, like nobody saw Davion Mitchell and what he did at Baylor. Like no one saw that coming this season mm-hmm. <laughs> and now he's going to be a top 10 pick. And, you know, just because he's got that another Mitchell comparison, Donovan Mitchell, but being a, a better defender. So just the different stories and um, seeing the star power at the top of this draft class is really exciting. And they're all great kids to begin with. So um, I think NBA fans are really going to enjoy watching their, uh, their careers continue to blossom. Yeah. And that, I know that matters. Every team says that character matters and I'm, I'm, we're on a zoom call right now. I'm I'm using quotations with my fingers because they say that, but then you see sometimes how, front offices operate and it doesn't necessarily reflect that. Um, but the Warriors really take that seriously. Uh, they spend a lot of this, the, the time pre-draft getting to know these guys on a personal level, talking to their former coaches, their family members, trying to understand what makes them tick. And that I think is just as important to them as, um, inter- as studying the basketball aspect of things. You know, that was a huge reason why they drafted James Wiseman last year was because they loved what he was about. They loved his personal story, everything he went through growing up under tough circumstances in Tennessee and uh, you know, his work ethic and all things like that. Um, And so it's good to hear, I think from the Warriors perspective that, that there are this, this lottery is, is loaded with quality people and, and, and workers. Um, But this is a really interesting draft lottery because 
you know, the, the most important pick the Warriors don't necessarily have. And this is, and I've written a lot about this throughout this past season, but I think that this draft lottery is by far the most important day for the Warriors all year um, because it could basically determine the team's ability to vault back into contention next season. Because as you know, the Warriors are deep in the luxury tax. They don't have a lot of pass to add a, a true difference maker. And in my personal opinion, even though they finished last season really strong with a 15 and five stretch um, before that plan debacle, uh, they, they still are a big swing away, in my opinion, from being legitimate bona fide contenders. I think they need a true difference maker in addition to a couple solid complimentary guys to round out that rotation. And because they're deep in the luxury tax, they, they can't go and sign a big name free agent. Um, they don't have the money to do that. And so to get that guy, you're probably looking at trade scenarios and to, to go after, you know, an all-star caliber guy who might become available. We don't know who those guys are right now, but let's say like a, a DeMontis Sabonis or a Paul George, or even a Bradley Beal becomes available. The Warriors, know that they're going to have to put together an extremely compelling package. I mean, you're looking at James Wiseman, um, this top three protect, protected pick from Minnesota, their own four, probably late lottery, number 14 pick in this draft. And then, you know, to match salaries, someone like an Andrew Wiggins. And then also on top of that, by the way, you're, you're probably going to need to throw in you know, a couple more future first round picks. Um, but to me, the centerpiece of that deal could arguably be that top three protected pick from Minnesota. You could make the argument that that's more important than Wiggins or even James Wiseman, given how strong this draft is. So, you know, the ceiling of that pick is going to be determined by where that lands. And the Warriors have, I believe, a little bit less than a 10% chance of that pick landing at number four, the way, the way it works out, they have no chance actually of it landing at five. Um, and then they have over a 50% chance of it landing in this, in the seven to eight range. Um, so just, I want your thoughts on what is the difference in the caliber of player the Warriors could get at number four, as opposed to let's say six to eight. I think this draft caps off at six and then seven to 14 is kind of you're, you're taking a gamble on what you may or may not get. Um, and the reason I say that, like my, my top, my top six, um, Kay Cunningham is going number one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then two to six is anybody's guess between Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Jonathan Kaminga, and Scotty Barnes is the real dark horse in this draft. I think uh, you know, five years down the road, we're going to look back at him as a player and what he brings to the NBA game and be like, this kid went six, he went seven, he went eight, mm -hmm. you know, because he was another one of those uh, Leonard Hamilton products at Florida State. He came off the bench. He's, we've yeah. already seen this story with Patrick Williams and, um, and, and so uh, he's just, he's a six, nine point forward. He didn't shoot great from three point range, but He's got a seven foot two wingspan and a nine foot standing reach. And he is a dog on the court. So I want to say like, he's the dark horse in this top six range. 
Um, and then again, at seven to 12, you're looking at players like Davion Mitchell, who was great at Baylor. He's a little bit older, but how does his game translate to the NBA? I think it could translate well because we've already seen it with Donovan Mitchell. And, you know, it's funny because uh, he's a, like a great on-ball defender and uh, Scott Drew, the head coach, he said to me, he's like, oh, we call him off night because anybody that plays against him has an off night. Yeah. And so, and I know everyone always like, you know, oh, you don't really play defense in the NBA, but, um, you know, there's been players that <laughs> Pat Beverly has made a career from it, you know, so it's him in the seven to 12 range. It's Moses Moody, the sharpshooter from Arkansas, Jalen Johnson, the, the player, the forward from Duke who left early mm -hmm. um, and also left his high school team early. So yeah. not a really great track record there, but right. has great intangibles. So um, I don't know, the, this, the top six is where you want to be at, I think, if you're the Warriors. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the truth is that this is the Warriors are in an interesting spot right now because they have to maximize what's left of Steph's prime. Not just Steph, but Draymond and Clay. Steph's now 33. Yeah. Uh, Draymond and Clay are both 31. Obviously, Clay is coming back from two serious injuries, has missed the past two years. So they can't waste any more time. They need to do everything in their power. They need to go all in on winning right now. I have been an advocate of them being willing to mortgage their future, to do everything they can to, to make that big swing and get an all-star caliber guy to pair with that core. Um, but even if that all-star caliber guy doesn't become available, they do not want to get much younger. Um, you know, they, we, we, one of the biggest issues the Warriors had last season was trying to juggle winning now with bringing along James Wiseman, who was not quite ready to be a major impact player in the NBA and um, they really struggle with that. And it's no coincidence, and this isn't a knock on James, but it was no coincidence that they went on that 15 and five run right when James got injured with that knee injury, because it allowed them to play the way they wanted to play. They didn't have to worry about managing his minutes and, and, and tinkering with rotations. They could just go small, ratchet up the tempo, lean heavily on guys like Jordan Poole and Juan Descano Anderson and do their thing. And, um, you know, obviously James is going to be out almost all off season, uh, recovering from that knee injury. It's looking like his development could potentially be set back another year. Um, and so, you know, assuming they keep James, um, and there has been talk about maybe they, them, him packaging him being packaged in a trade, assuming they keep James, you can't, you don't want to bring in a lot many more projects. Um, so I think that regardless of who they take in this draft, you want guys who can at least make an impact as a rookie. I think it's unlikely that they would keep both picks. Um, but if they did, I think they would want one of those guys to be a major rotation caliber impact guy who you can depend on from day one. And then maybe on the, with that other pick, you're willing to, to gamble a little bit and take more of a project high upside guy in your mind, in the range we're talking about, you know, anywhere from four to 10, let's say what, well, actually even four to 14, because you know, that that's where the second pick is, is probably going to be. Who are the most NBA ready guys? 
Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna throw out a name. And I think if the Warriors need to hone in on this player, and if they're gonna keep someone in that four to six range, it has to be this player. He's definitely an instant impact guy. Um, it's Jonathan Kaminga, who played for the G League Ignite team and was the most NBA bodied ready player on that team. I mean, he led the Ignite team in rebounds and only played 13 games. He grabbed 93 rebounds. He averaged 15.8 point, uh, points per game, you know, in those 13 games in the G League bubble. and looked like he was just so comfortable playing against and alongside former professionals and guys that are still trying to get back in the league and are almost there, you know, and, and he dominated the floor. Yeah. And so if you're looking at a guy that you can plug in right in at the wing, who's going to be an in instant impact and a, like just a complete machine. Like you, you see this guy, he's six, six, two ten, just a built like a brick. And he's one of the youngest players in this draft class, yeah. which is crazy to me because he reclassed. I honestly think like they have to hone in on Kaminga if they're yeah. going to keep it. Everyone else, you know, you just kind of look at it. Like if you, if Jalen Suggs falls to that spot, it's like, yeah, you could put him behind to play again or yeah, to play against uh, Steph, but you could get more value trading him, you know, right. cause he's not someone like he is an instant impact guy, but he's not going to be playing in front of Steph and clay. Right. Do you know what I mean? And right. so, and then at that, at that 14 range, if you're going to keep that, I mean, I, it's so Jalen Johnson is the biggest mystery in this entire draft. And I just was at an event with every, all 30 NBA teams were there and every scout is just trying to get as much information on Jalen Johnson as possible. He was the, the Duke forward, 6'9", 220. Um, he only averaged 11.2 points per game. He dealt with some injuries, but he only played 13 games for Coach K the best coach in college basketball yeah. he's coached there for 41 years and you leave that you quit the team early like yeah. oh, what and, and yeah. so like NBA teams look at that but his upside and what he could bring at the next level is insane and it's going to be hard for teams if he falls to that 14 spot it's going to be hard for teams to pass up on that we'll have more of my conversation with Kristen Peak right after the break As far as Kaminga, you know, I followed I followed the G League bubble pretty closely. I'm of any traveling NBA beat writer, I'm probably the most into the G League. I just find <laughs> it interesting and all, there's so many good stories that come out of the G League. And so I followed the G League bubble really closely, especially especially that G League Ignite team. And I was so impressed. The first game G League Ignite played in that that bubble was against Santa Cruz, the Santa Cruz Warriors, and he was so impressive. Like he looked like a man among boys yep. in that game, but it felt like he regressed over the course of the G League bubble. And I think part of that was due to the fact that Jalen Green really came on, kind of found his rhythm. And it felt like it felt like Kaminga had a harder time finding his spots. Um, his, his shooting efficiency was not great. Um, you know, to me, just looking at the numbers, that was potentially a concern. But I see what you're talking about. I mean, he's definitely an NBA, NBA ready bod. You see a ton of def defensive potential there. Um, you know, he looks like a guy who could be a perennial all-star, but I guess if I'm Bob Myers, my concerns would be the shooting efficiency and just his ability to make an impact within the flow of an offense. Cause it kind of feels like sometimes the ball stops when, when he has it, you know, he, he, he kind of looks for his own shot and doesn't necessarily get other players involved. What, what, 
what are your thoughts of about those concerns? I mean, they're valid, but I, I'll give you that shooting efficiency doesn't bother me and it, and I don't think it bothers NBA teams that much because you look at what LaMelo is shooting coming in this year mm -hmm. and everybody was so concerned about his shot and the fact that he only shot 25% from three in, uh, for Illawarra over in the NBL in Australia. But what I had an NBA scout say to me is if he is a worker, if, if this player is a worker, we can, we can change that. We can change his shooting efficiency. We can get him in the gym. We can get him. And you saw with Tyler Hero his rookie year. I mean, he kind of struggled at, uh, he's always been a great shooter, but he, he struggled his one year at Kentucky. And then, you know, you get with the right situation and you can change those sort of things. So the shooting efficiency doesn't bother me. I do see what you're saying about the ball stopping where there's not so much flow to his game. And he's always looking to create his own shot and be the guy to score. And I think that's just something that comes with his age and his experience. And, you know, his entire career, he's been the guy and he's been the number one option. And so that is a cause for concern because now you're going to a team where you're not the guy mm -hmm. and you have to kind of be the supporting role to Steph and Clay and Draymond. Yeah. And um, unfortunately for the Warriors, you know, I think there's a very good chance that he's not in their range because it looks like he'll probably go top five. Um, and like we said earlier, they have le less than a 10% chance of, uh, of getting the fourth pick. And there's then, always a chance. There's, there's always, always a chance. chance. There's always, and you know, one option is that, like I said earlier, I don't think they want to keep both picks. Yeah. So, you know, maybe let's say you get like the seventh or eighth pick from Minnesota, you pack, maybe you try to package that with the 14th pick and move into the top five. Do you think that there would be much interest from teams in a package like that? You know, I know one guy I've heard that the Warriors are super high on is Jalen Suggs uh, for obvious reasons. Um, as you said earlier, I think he, he's very NBA ready. I personally think he'd be a perfect fit to come in day one and be a sixth or seventh man type off the bench as a secondary playmaker, which is a need, um, who, can, who can defend multiple positions and, and doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I think he'd be a plug and play type guy. Um, but potentially you would need to trade up to the number two pick for him. Right. And, you know, do you think like the seventh and 14th pick would be enough? Probably not. Right. I don't think so. I think whoever is in that top four range is going to keep their pick. Yeah. Just looking at the, the star power, because you, you know, you, there's enough there to know what you're getting in those four or five or five players that I, that I said earlier. And, um, if a team and you saw all the trades that the magic made this year. Yeah. So it's very clear. Like I saw a tweet that said the Orlando magic must really want Cade Cunningham because they traded everything. You look at, you know, Sam Pressy and Oklahoma city thunder and what they've got 34 picks in the next seven drafts and what they're trying to do and build there and rebuild. Um, so I think if whatever team lands in that top four range, they're going to, they're going to keep it. I yeah. don't know. I don't know if it's enough, like call me crazy, but if, yeah, if I had to guess, I would say they keep it. Those darn Timberwolves, man, for, uh, for finishing the season strong and fi figuring things out down the stretch uh, and having Anthony Edwards start to play at a rookie <laughs> of the year caliber level um, that, that really, I mean, in some way it's, you can look at it both ways and that, the Warriors now have a higher percentage chance of getting the pick this year, which is which is important. 
but obviously they have a much less chance of getting it in the top five, which as we've talked about top five or six is, is going to be important in this draft. I mean, just looking at uh, tankathon.com, which I've spent a lot of time on this year. I love tankathon. Yeah. yeah it's very helpful. Um, you know, Minnesota, uh, that pick has a 29.7% chance of conveying to the Warriors at seven, a 20.6% chance of conveying to the Warriors at eight. So I think, when we're talking about this pick, we really need to probably zone in on, on, on seven and eight and where, where it can land there. But let's say hypothetically the pick doesn't convey to the Warriors this year. Um, and the Warriors have to wait till 2022 for that, for that pick to become unprotected. How big of a blow do you think that would be for the Warriors? So if it's, if they don't get it this year, then they get a top, three top five pick next year is that what's the it's unprotected what's the, next year it's it's unprotected yeah it, the minnesota pick would be unprotected in 2022 so it would it would convey to the warriors wherever it would land um and you know minnesota looks like it's trending in the right direction right now um i think it's very possible i don't think they're a playoff team next year but i think that they could be in the late lottery um so, you know, I don't think they're going to be a bottom five or six team in the league next year just because of Anthony Edwards and kind of how that young core is progressing. Um, so thinking about it from that perspective, let's say that pick fell in the late lottery next year as opposed to, you know, mid lottery for the Warriors this year. Um, how big of a setback do you think that'd be for the Warriors? Um, it would definitely sting. A little bit because yeah. uh, this draft class is so strong. I want to say next year's draft class is super top heavy. You know, with Chet Holgram, Cal Ventura, um, Jane Hardy at the top. But same story. You know, that late lottery is just kind of there's a lot of question marks surrounding that late lottery next year. So, I mean, if I'm a Warriors fan, you definitely want the pick this year. Right. Whether you're going to package it and try to make a move or you're going to keep it, you you want this year. Right. Um, yeah. I know, I know, especially when you're talking about any lottery pick, um, everyone talks about upside and all those things, but one guy I, and you talked about him a little bit before, but one guy I really like is Davion Mitchell from Baylor. I really value winning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not a draft expert like you are, but I am really interested in the draft. And I've just noticed that if you look at, a lot of the lottery busts over the past 20 plus years, a lot of them were guys who didn't win in college. A lot of, a lot of them were guys who put up big numbers on bad teams in college. And then didn't really translate to the NBA. You know, I'm thinking of someone like Markel Fultz who uh, was on a really bad Washington team, went number one and obviously hasn't lived up to the hype. And there's a few other examples of guys like that, but I look at someone like Davian Mitchell and I, you know, watching him in the NCAA tournament, watching him in that national championship game against Gonzaga, it's just hard to imagine a world where he's not a really helpful NBA player. Yeah, I agree. And and the way you talk, like what you mentioned about winning, there are teams that definitely value that. Like if you are on a winning team and you know how to win, then you're going to be a productive NBA player, hands down. Yeah. You know, um, and I, I mean, I can remember one player specifically, uh, I won't say his name, but um, he was a five-star recruit in high school, played on, you know, a really bad high school team. Then mm-hmm. he spent one year, um, it's not Markel, but one year in the pack, 
Pac-12, didn't win with that team. And then he was a lottery pick. And I had an NBA guy say to me, he's not a winner. Show mm-hmm. me, show me anywhere in his career where he won mm-hmm. and where he was pushed to take over games and to help win for his team. It, yeah. Like if, if you, if that's not in like innately in you, then you're going to have, you're going to have struggles playing right. 82 games a year, you know? <laughs> Right. And building off that, you know, you can talk about winning, but what we're also saying when we say that is just basketball IQ, feel for the game, um, an understanding of how to affect games in different systems. Uh, The Warriors obviously have a unique read and react system where I think it's especially important to get guys who understand how to play off other players, how to move off the ball, how to read angles and defenses. And the Warriors, um, you know, that was honestly the biggest thing holding back James Wiseman this year. I, you can We can talk about all his di- the different setbacks in his development, the fact that he was a 19-year-old big, and it's always tough for 19-year-old bigs to transition to the NBA. And all those things are very true. But um, my biggest concern with, with James going forward is just his overall feel for the game, his, his lack of passing ability. Uh, the Warriors need bigs who, who can, who can play make and read defenses and kick out to open shooters. And so that's my concern about his fit long-term. And, and uh, you know, I think the Warriors, whoever they end up taking in this draft are going to really value someone who can be versatile, play most multiple positions and uh, you know, read, read defenses and play make um, regardless mm-hmm. of what the position is. And um, you know, also like every other team in the league, they value shooting. And I look at, you know, obviously we talked about Damian Mitchell, but another guy I really like it's Corey Kispert out of mm-hmm. Gonzaga, another winner, uh, high level shooter. What yeah. are your thoughts on him? I like Corey, you know, Corey was one of those players last year where he tested the NBA waters and he was, you know, probably like a mid second round last year. And he elected to come back knowing that Jalen Suggs was coming in, knowing that he'd have to share minutes and share the backcourt with him. And he excelled. I mean, he was the best shooter on a Gonzaga team that almost went undefeated and won the, won the championship. I mean, shot 45% from three point, three point range, made 89 threes this season, including he had nine threes and a win over Virginia and averaged 18.8 points and five rebounds per game. Um, He's a senior. He's got a lot of experience under his belt. And he's one of those players I think that you could plug in right away, like we're looking for, and you're going to get solid minutes from him. He knows his role. Like he's a shooter. He's Mm -hmm. a shooter. He's a shooter. He's a shooter. And he makes a lot of them. So if you're, if you're looking for that, you know, kind of third splash brother, late in the lottery, he would be a great plug and play guy. So as we talked about a little bit ago, um, the Warriors have over a 50% chance of landing, of getting that pick in the seven to eight range. And so I want to talk to you specifically about that range of prospect. Um, You mentioned earlier that the top six guys in this draft are probably Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs, Jonathan Kaminga. And it looks like Scotty Barnes is moving in as that sixth guy behind what was considered, I think, a, a consensus top five. It sounds like Scotty Barnes is moving into number six. Um, but, you know, some names that I, that sound like they would land potentially in that seven to eight range are James. I don't I don't know if my pronunciation. James Booknight. Booknight. Yep. James Booknight. 
from UConn. Looks like he's moving up boards. Uh, Moses Moody, uh, Keon Johnson. Keon Johnson is he? Listen, Keon Johnson is going to be a bad, bad, bad man in the NBA. Like he yeah. is. He didn't show. He didn't show a lot of consistency. Is one year at Tennessee, but he is the most athletic guard in this draft class. He has great body control around the rim. And he is one of those just like fundamental good guards that make good plays and good reads off the pick and roll. So let's say the Warriors get the seventh pick in the draft. And let's just for hypothetical purposes, let's say Scotty Barnes is available. Let's say the guys available on the board are Scotty Barnes, Jane Booknight, Moses Moody, Keon Johnson, Davion Mitchell, Jalen Johnson, Kai Jones, Corey Kispert, Zaire Williams. All those guys are available at seven. If you're Bob Myers, who would you take? Okay, well, who's going at six if Scotty doesn't go at six? Because someone's got to go at six. So let's say Davion Mitchell slips into the six because I think he's like a six to eight range, and we've already talked about him. But okay. if Scotty if Scotty falls the seven, Warriors are taking Scotty Barnes. Okay, hands down. Yeah. Yeah. I 100. percent And then if and then I I honestly I think then it goes I would go Keon Johnson. Then I would go Moses Moody, uh, James Booknight, Jalen Johnson, Corey Kispert. That would be my order. Okay. Um, why Why Keon Johnson? Just because of the upside? That he is huge upside. I mean, he's uh, another high-character kid, uh, someone that has shown great improvement in the offseason in these pre-draft workouts, working out at CAA, um, who Davion Mitchell is also working out there. So the two of them are going head to head every day in practice. Um, Jalen Green is also there uh, every other day. They're working out um, in Los Angeles. I just saw them last week. So um, he's just making huge strides. I think, you know, when you're looking at the spacing in the NBA, it kind of caters more to him. And, um, you know, we talked about Jalen Suggs being a plug and play six, seven guy behind uh, behind Steph Curry. I think Keon is just another combo guard that can come in. He can bring the ball up. He can play off the ball. He has one of the fastest first steps off the wing um, and is a great playmaker. Do you think he can be helpful as a rookie? Cause he, he seems like a little bit more of a project than some of these other guys. I mean, it's hard to tell because, you know, you, you, you say that with a lot of guys, I'm, you're flipping the coin when you're taking a one and done kid. There's no there's no actual, like you, you guys saw it with James Wiseman. There's yeah. no, no actual like plug and play right away. I even, I was surprised at how well um, Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball transition, but it I think it's Anthony easier. Edwards a while though. Took him uh, over half the season. Yeah. yeah. And you know, you're, it wasn't tour. It wasn't until like the final six weeks of the season when you really saw, okay, this guy's a legitimate all-star level. Yeah, prospect. Um, but it, it took a while and all the concerns people had for him entering the draft definitely manifested themselves the first half of the season. Um, but now, you know, you're looking at going into next season and, and I know the Warriors would never say this, but you can't help but feel like, man, it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to have Anthony Edwards and, or, you know, Lamella Ball on this Lamello. roster. <laughs> I know. Do you know what? Next week I'm doing a redraft of of this of this past yeah. draft class and I'm putting LaMelo too to the Warriors like that would have been so fun to watch this year um you put An- Edwards one still Edwards one LaMelo two yeah okay okay uh Tyrese Halliburton three <laughs> yeah I mean I love Halliburton too I still cannot believe he fell to 12 that just blew my mind I was super high on him 
entering the draft. Who's the Tyrese Halliburton in this draft? Who do you who do you think is a guy Ooh. who is going to fall past what his abilities would would warrant? That is a great question. Who's the Tyrese of this draft? Um, now I'm I'm looking at my mock draft from a, a few weeks ago. I mean, you I you could say Moses Moody. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in terms of his lateral movement on defense, there's kind of, you know, some question marks there. And if he'll be able to guard the one, two, and three on the perimeter, like he's got great size. He played high school basketball with Kate Cunningham, Dayron Sharp, uh, Scotty Barnes. They were all on this Mount Verde team that is by far the best high school basketball team I've ever seen ever. Um, and he's another, you know, super athletic seven foot wingspan, um, can shoot lights out, um, so I think if he falls to the right team and he'll be in that late lottery range, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people next year. Not the way Tyrese did. And by the way, I want to go on record when Ty fell to 12, because I was at Impact in Las Vegas for like the whole summer. Yeah. You know, when everything shut down, I'm like, yeah. I need to get in the gym. Like yeah. I knew CAA was at Impact. So I was there. I, I saw it myself. And so when he fell to 12, I made sure when when he came on um, for, the, for the interview with Yahoo Sports, I made sure to say on record, I was like, you are the steal of this draft. No reason that <laughs> there's yeah. no reason that Detroit should have taken uh Killian Hayes over Tyrese Halbert. Oh, like, yeah. I was no... never high on Killian Hayes. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing against him as a as a person or anything, but uh I just felt like he had a lot of the trademark signs of a European prospect who was overrated. Um and uh Halliburton to me was ready made in every way um and even even the Kings who have a history of uh you know messing up the the lottery uh couldn't couldn't uh resist and so that one really played out well for them um Kristen thank you so much for for joining me on the podcast this was all super helpful information I know our readers and listeners uh really appreciated it we're can our uh, listeners find all your work and follow along with what you're doing? Um, you can read all my draft coverage on Yahoo Sports and you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Kristen Peak. So, but you know, I, I'm happy to talk about basketball anytime. So anytime you want me to <laughs> Yeah, no, on, I, I would not be surprised <laughs> if I asked you to come back on uh, in the lead up to the draft. There's going to be so much speculation uh you know especially assuming that this pick this pick from minnesota conveys the warriors this year this is going to be such an important draft for the warriors um and a really interesting draft because like we talked about they're they they're juggling a win now mentality with you know trying to 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 get like the next superstar guy and and where they end up going with this is just going to have such enormous implications for i think the next few years and really their long-term outlook. Um, so Kristen, thank you again for so- joining me on the pod. I hope to have you on, have you on soon. I'll personally be following along because like I said earlier, I'm not a draft expert. Anyone, any beat writer who says he's a true draft expert is probably lying. We're all leaning <laughs> on the Kristen peaks of the world. Um, so thank you so much. Yeah. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Our right, thanks to Kristen peak for joining me on the podcast. Really enjoyed chatting with her about the draft. Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pod. 